0: Welcome to episode number 298. Today we are diving back into one of our consult episodes and this is actually a subject that many of you have emailed me or messaged me about in the past and said you would love to have an episode on so when stephanie who is a member of the pioneering today academy and put in to have a console episode when i saw her questions i knew that this was one that i had to do not only to help give stephanie some ideas and guidance as well as the rest of you who have asked me about this now i have to say right before we dive into this content that right now The Pioneering Today Academy is open for membership. That is what Stephanie is a member of, and people who are members have the option to fill out a form and have these consult episodes that you have been hearing on the podcast, along with monthly lives from me, as well as the individual courses with the step-by-step videos that cover all of the different aspects of living a pioneering or modern homesteading lifestyle because the interesting thing about homesteaders is we're not just gardeners yes we do grow vegetables and fruit but we're not just gardeners we're not just backyard chicken keepers we're not just people who focus on whole foods and cooking from scratch we're not just canners and food preservers we are all of these things and it's so many different aspects of a lifestyle and components that make up modern homesteading, which makes it unique from just learning how to garden. It's how to make all of this work and flow together throughout the seasons. And that's what you get inside the Pioneering Today Academy. So it is definitely the how-to. You will learn the very tactical step-by-step stuff, but it's how to also incorporate all of this into your life and with a community who understands it and can offer support and inspiration. So that we are open for open enrollment for the first time in 2021 right now. You can go to melissaknorris.com forward slash PTA and you will see the join now button where you can actually purchase and come into the membership. Now, if you happen to be listening to this at a later date, not when it first releases and we're already closed, then you'll see where it says notify me and you just pop in your name and email and you'll get on the wait list for the next time that we do open up for general enrollment. But if you're listening to this right around the release date, then you, my friend, can go ahead and get in right now. So without further ado, we are going to jump right in to this episode. And any of the links, including to join the Pioneering Today Academy, will always be at the blog post that accompanies the episode. And you can find that at melissaknorris.com forward slash 298, because this is episode number 298. Okay, let's get to it. I am really excited to get to talk to you and have you on the Pioneering Today podcast. So Stephanie, welcome.
1: Thank you so much. It is exciting to be here and be able to talk with someone that kind of walks through some of the same struggles that we do when it comes to homesteading and
0: the life that it, it creates for us. So thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And you know, I think that's one of the things I love about homesteading is, the longer you've been doing it, of course you're going to feel more confident in certain skill sets. But really? We all struggle even with homesteading with a lot of the same base things, no matter how long we've been doing it. And there's something I find, I, I always feel like almost a little bit mean, but I'm like, oh, I'm so glad someone else is dealing with this and it's not me and I don't feel alone. So I think this is gonna be a great conversation to have. So for those, who, the, for those oh my goodness, talk about getting tongue tied. For those who don't already know you, Can you give a little bit of background about your homesteading journey and where you're at? And then we'll dive in.
1: Sure. So I have been gardening for a long time. I remember my grandmother always had a big garden growing up. And when I was old enough to kind of start creating that kind of space for myself, it's something I started doing. I'm in Oklahoma, so typical gardening stuff was tomatoes, okra, watermelon. Um, And then as I aged, I realized there's this whole other world, um, brassicas and greens, and that it's not just a single season. So I'm actually on a suburban homestead. I live in a a small town outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So a little more space than some typical, but my garden is predominantly raised beds. And I do try to garden garden. Um, three seasons and sometimes I'll get to stretch and get a little bit of winter stuff in there uh, depending how nice winter is but at the moment it's mainly just gardening preserving um, and figuring out a way to to be more self-sustainable and I'm looking forward to at some point hopefully in the near future being able to add um, animals onto that and get into that aspect but it's a little tricky. And that's something we'll talk about today because I'm kind of the only person excited about that part.
0: (laughs) Which I actually, I love your honesty. And I love that we're going to have this conversation because it really is, is a real thing. So one, that is phenomenal that you are gardening throughout at least three seasons. Sometimes I know what you mean on on the winter. Sometimes, uh, you know, I can grow lettuce year round in the high tunnel and other winters, I can't, it'll kill it. It just kind of depends on, Mm -hmm. on the severity. So you're already like leaps and steps ahead of so many people. And that's really common too. In fact, when I was growing up, that was all we had for our garden was just the typical summer garden. Like you said, we can't do okra here. Of course, we're too far North. But I think that's really common for a lot of gardeners is to just, you have that one kind of big summer or main garden. Mm-hmm. And so kudos to you for learning about and implementing and gardening throughout the seasons. Cause that's actually- really impressive. And it's so nice as you're discovering to have some more of that fresh fruit all year round. Uh, But a lot of people just don't realize that they can do it. So you're doing great. Now with where you guys are at, how I guess we should also, I know you're married and we're going to be talking about getting the family on board, but do you guys have children as well that are in the home?
1: Yes, we have two kids. I have a daughter that's about to be 15 and my son turns 10 at the end
0: of this month. Okay, your kids are very close in age to mine. We just swap. my son as the oldest and my daughter as the youngest. Um, So as far as where you feel the workload is right now with like keeping up with like the preserving and the gardening, is are you the one that's predominantly doing all of the gardening and the preserving or are the, is the family coming in and helping at all?
1: No, that's predominantly me. Um, in setup, I will get a little bit of help as far as like building beds or getting soil. And my kids are good at the end of the season and um, trying to like clean up the garden. And my son discovered last year how fun it is to harvest sweet potatoes. Um, but for the most like day to day stuff. Yeah, that's all me.
0: Yeah. OK. And, you know, that's actually very... <clears throat> typical for our gardening situation like my husband will help with the you know the the larger infrastructure stuff that needs to go in um, mm-hmm. and then on planting day everybody has to help plant <laughs> but then it's kind of more my my domain unless we have like some big things throughout the season like if we haven't stayed up on weeding and it's becoming you know more than I can handle then everybody will kind of come in and, and we'll do that but really the the day-to-day and even the day-to-day harvest part of it um, for the most part, until we get to the fall and it's like, hey, frost is coming this weekend. It's going to wipe everything out like we've got to harvest as much as possible. Then kind of everybody will come in. But really, the, the garden, um, I would say it's just kind of like the day to day maintenance of it um, falls falls on me. And I think it's kind of normal to have one one person kind of be in charge of of that, you know, of each area. Um, but I am glad to hear that they are. They're willing to help if, if forced or if really asked. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Voluntold is the
1: word we like to use.
0: I like that. I like that one. That's really good. So with the livestock, I know you're on a smaller, uh, you know, you don't have a, a ton of acreage and you're in a suburban environment. But what type of livestock are you hoping to be able to bring on? Um.
1: So in our current setting, we are allowed to have chickens. And so that is something that I would like to add. And I've actually been begging to add for a couple <laughs> years. But we, I do have my eyes set on being able to get a little more land and being able to incorporate um, like goats and maybe a couple pigs um, to kind of become the more full picture self sustainable.
0: Yeah, I totally understand that. And I think if you can start out with a form of livestock, even where you're at now, then that'll kind of you know, set you up with some, the skill sets and just, you know, the management and, and what it adds, you know, one form of livestock, you know, what that adds to your guys's day, your week, et cetera. Um, and it'll help prepare you for then when you make the jump later down the road. So, so with making it more of a family affair, where does your family and especially your husband, because really like, you know, kids, you can kids, you can tell for the most part, like, Hey, you know, you need to come and help me do this. And it's not an option (laughs) when it gets down to it, but that's a lot harder to do with a spouse. And it didn't generally go over (laughs) so well. (laughs) No. Um, So where is your husband at? Is he just kind of like, Oh, if that's something you want to do, that's awesome. Or is he really like pushback? Like, I really don't want to do this or kind of where, where is that um, at for you guys? So there's a couple levels. So when it comes to the gardening, he
1: doesn't mind so much. If I can stay on top of it, Um, he doesn't really understand the point Mm -hmm. of the the gardening or the preserving. He actually grew up in Dallas. And so he's always been a city boy. And I think the idea that you would do something other than just go to the grocery store just seems bizarre to him. Um, And so I think just the gardening, he's, I mean, it's kind of just apathetic. He um, did grow up with chickens, but in a different kind of point um my father-in-law actually fought roosters and so that was um that was the kind of the environment and the climate and everything and so he's like I I know what it's like to have them I know they're messy and I know the kind of work and he's like I don't he just doesn't want any of it um and so yeah
0: okay so he's pretty much like I don't want the livestock especially the chickens he just doesn't he yeah. doesn't want to deal with it from his his past experience. Gotcha. Okay, so honestly, like when my husband are looking at something, and sometimes there's you know like it's something that he wants to do, not just in homesteading itself, but and I think everybody can relate to this. There's usually things in a marriage or in a relationship <laughs> uh, with a significant other where you're really excited and you're really wanting to do something and you really have the drive, and the other person really doesn't see the picture, or like you're saying, he doesn't see the point in it because he's like, well, we can go and get our food from the grocery store and that self-sufficiency and maybe the health aspect and all of those reasons that most of us um, when we turn to homesteading is because of that. He's not seeing that. So because he isn't seeing that, it's, it's a lot harder for him to get motivated, to get on board. So I know like within my own family, which is, of course, where, where I'm talking from because <laughs> I am not a marriage counselor. <laughs> <laughs> um or relationship counselor so I don't I don't want to, anybody who is listening in, if you're new or a listener to the podcast I don't I don't want to give that impression or to have you think that but I do know that if I can really sit down and get across to including my children about why it is so important to me then even if it's not as important to them like they still don't have the passion for certain things that I do like my kids could care less if I if it's something is sourdough or not, as long as they can't (laughs) taste it sourdough, then they're happy. But, you know, they're they're never going to be at this point in their lives, I should say. I hope later as adults they will. But they're never going to be as excited as I am when, you know, I turn out this beautiful, perfectly, completely fermented, wild leaven sourdough loaf of bread that, you know, is just gorgeous and tastes good. And the crumb is perfect and all of that. They, I mean, they're just gonna be like, you know, we just want some good bread, mom. So whatever, (laughs) however means you get there, that's fine. But when they understand how truly important it is to me because they love me, then they're more willing to help, even if it's not something that they're super crazy about, because it's that supporting. So I think sometimes it's finding a way to communicate to them why it really is so important to you, and how having their support, like, really means a lot to you. And I know that seems so fundamental, like, well, shouldn't they know that just by my <laughs> saying that I want to do this? Like, I think that a lot of the times, but I've I've realized that if I can really, you know, show it to them or talk to them and get them to understand why it's so important to me, and it really is like this deep down seated, like desire that I feel like it's a fire in my bones, um, then I feel like I don't have as much pushback and they are more willing to help. Uh, when I when I ask them to, and I still usually do kind of have to ask them to help. (laughs) They still don't just jump in, you know. But it's a much more willing, um, instead of just like digging the heels into the ground. And then another thing, I don't know about you and your husband, but with my husband, if I have this great fabulous idea that he's not completely on board with, doesn't really matter as far as me like giving him like I can tell like why it's super important to me and he will listen but oftentimes if he can hear something from another source especially mm. I have found like podcasts so if <laughs> I can find a podcast episode because he listens to podcasts at works he works at a, a sawmill and so they have to have headphones on but he can listen to a, a podcast on low while, while they're running things so that uh, there have been so many times where I have told him something And I don't know if he just doesn't, isn't really listening. And my husband is, I hope I'm not giving a bad impression of him. He's very attentive and he's very supportive in a lot of ways, but he'll listen to a podcast episode and he'll come back and he'll be like, I heard on Joe Rogan today and he'll go off on, you know, like whatever it is. And I'm sitting there and I'm biting my tongue. I'm like, I told you that six months ago. (laughs) And so I'm serious. I'm like, I wonder if I can email Joe Rogan and be like, hey, Joe, can you talk about this on an
1: episode so my husband will listen?
0: <laughs> um, and I'm kind of saying it and I tease him about it too. We tease back and forth about it. But the kind of the moral of that is if you can find, you know, some like maybe some documentaries, I don't know what, you know, your husband's into. I don't know, he may not listen to podcasts, but if you can find some different sources that talk about, you know, the the health aspect, if that's, you know, one of the reasons that's important to you or the, mm-hmm. you know, the self-sufficiency or or different things like that. And even talk about, you know, the, the enjoyment and knowing where your food comes from. I mean, there's so many different elements. It's not necessarily just the self-sufficiency, though. That's a big driver for a lot of us. Um, but if you can find some different sources like that, um, that you could show him and even ideas of kind of like ways that you're wanting you know to do some of the things so that he can see the difference between what he in his mind and his context of chickens because it you know was with rooster fighting it sounds like a a very different environment than if you have a flock of laying hens so that he can see that for himself that's kind of outside like outside of what you're just telling him but like in a different context from some different Mm -hmm. sources um i found that that is really helpful. And even like the same thing, like if my husband's coming to me and he's wanting to do, you know, something and I'm like, I'm just not really sure about that. And then if he could show me some different YouTube videos, like, well, hey, this is what I was watching or this is what I was listening to. And like, this is why I think this would like work really well. Like, look at how they're doing this. then it's like, oh, and you can kind of see, I don't know why it opens our mind up. I don't know why our minds aren't open immediately. Um, and maybe I need a therapy session here myself and my husband, but <laughs> I've often found that that seems for both of us when we could kind of see it um, not coming from just the other person, that it tends to open be, make both of us be open to doing some of those things where if it's just one of us, you know, bouncing this idea off or saying, Hey, I want to do this. We kind of look at it like, man, I've got enough stuff to do on my plate. I don't really want to add this to it. I don't see that it's that super important, even though it is maybe important to our spouse and we should give it higher <laughs> um, value. Uh, but I have found that that has been really helpful for us in, in a variety of things, but homesteading, including.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. And it's funny is we never think of these things ourselves, but yeah, I'll have to do some searching and see what I can find.
0: Yeah. And I hope sorry, <laughs> somebody when you're in a, a public environment, because this will obviously be airing as a podcast episode. I've also found that oftentimes if I can find, you know, gardeners or podcast channels that my husband tends to. You know, relate to, like I said, like Joe Rogan, like my husband doesn't listen to my podcast though. So I've, I've tried, <laughs> you know, but if I, so if I could find someone that is kind of more like his style, you know, and he'll look at, at different things like that, but you know, that's kind of like more his style and that he can really relate to that has the information. I found that that's really helped too. Mm-hmm. So with the chickens, um, do you, ha- you have enough space where you could do a coop, but I'm, I'm wondering because you say, like, they're really messy and the work involved. Um, does, do you guys feel like is, you know, I don't know what, it, what his job is. I'm assuming it's outside the home. Like, does he feel like that you guys don't have a lot of um, downtime already in this schedule? Like, it's just going to add to it or he's just like, I just don't want to deal with the mess.
1: I think he just doesn't want to deal with it at all. Um, and it it would be different than what the environment was when he was a kid because all of those birds were kept kind of in a barn type setting and there wasn't like free range and all of that sort of thing. Um, so having them, I think just walking around would give probably a better, um, experience, but it's hard to kind of get him to just open up his mind a little bit and be like, this is, um, kind of what i'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah. And it and it can be hard and i you know there's been some there's been some projects or some things that we've wanted to do or i've wanted to do where we've really you know had to sit down and sometimes you know i just had to make the concession that this might not be happen right now. <laughs> and that's how i deal with it. I'm like okay this isn't going to be able to happen right now. We're going to put this on the table to do later. Um or there's been some things that you know, I just like, okay, he, he is not going to be on board with this. And that's, you know, and that's, it's not like it's a, you know, a deal breaker as far as like, there's going to be some things that I'm not going to be able to convince him on and vice versa. There's going to be certain things that he's wanted to do that I'm like, no, that is not something that I want to like do at all. And so I think, you know, sometimes we have to prepare ourselves for that. But then on the other side, sometimes there's things that are like, okay, well, if I want to do this. Um, And I am going to do it like I feel that strongly about it, even if he's not fully on board, but he's on board enough like, well, yeah, if you want to do it, you do it. But it's your thing, you know, and there's been things like that 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 both of us have had on both sides of the marriage, not just just one side or the other, because it's definitely give and take. But then I'm like, okay, so I need to figure out how to do this on a scale where I can do this by myself, except when I need help with like, you know, infrastructure, some of the big things. But it's not like the day to day part of it. Um, And then. I You know, and then I'm okay with that and kind of, you know, figuring that out kind of on my own. Um, And really, that's kind of how we still do. Like my husband takes care of the cattle predominantly, but like on certain fence building days or, you know, when we're getting the hay in for the winter and the summer, you know, I'm definitely helping him on those. But the actual day to day like feeding of them and caretaking of them really relies on him. And then the day to day taking of the chickens is totally in my realm so he doesn't really deal with the chickens unless there's something with the coop or like building the coop when we initially were doing it and that type of thing but obviously he has to be on board with you at least bringing chickens onto the property (laughs) right? you know like that that definitely has to be there but like you said you know and with the free range it's going to depend on especially if he's concerned about the mess factor um is when you're free ranging them, even though then you don't have as much mess in the coop, though you still have wherever they roost at night and go in, and se- which is gonna, I'm assuming, gonna be in a coop environment. You know, you still will have cleanup underneath the roost because that tends to be where they poop the most. Is when they're roosting, you know, during the night and they're sleeping. you they definitely will poop beneath there, but it's kind of concentrated to underneath the roost area for the most part. If they have a large run out or are in a free range environment, but when they are free ranging, you will have chicken poop around the yard wherever they're free ranging so that's that's one thing is you don't have it concentrated into a really you know one small area but it will be spread out so if you want to do the free range in your yard one knowing that you'll need to protect your crops during the summer because they're not discerning and they will scratch (laughs) up beds and eat fruit or vegetables when you want them (laughs) they will try to beat you to them so just say that so that's what we did free range for a while we had issues with predators because we're so far out we had coyote issues but that was this one thing like my husband was like I got it like he got he would get irritated when they would poop on our back deck and our cement patio which I mean they're chickens they're it's just gonna happen but no but just knowing that ahead of time and so that's what there was multiple reasons, but we decided to do the chicken tractor where we can just move their run easily about the yard so that we're keeping the poop area kind of contained and keeping them out of the plants. So that might be something, you know, that we consider. And you could let him out and let him free range and kind of see how he feels about that and how much they do end up, you know, pooping and stuff in the in the yard or on on decks or walkways or whatnot, because they're not discerning that way. But if the mess is, you know, something that he really doesn't want, then free range might not be the best option.
1: Right, so it may just take some more conversations and seeing maybe what what give and take we'll each be willing to do.
0: Yeah, and I also know that you know the if I sit down in my hut because sometimes I'll be like you know, honey, like I think this would be really like I keep telling him like I think it'd be really cool. Like I've been making a lot of cheese, I'm buying a lot of milk. Like be really <laughs> nice to have a dairy animal, and he's like, uh huh, but he knows. I'm not actually serious about it because I haven't sat down and been like, okay, well, I found this cow and if we do this and we can get her here by here and if I, you know, like I haven't, I don't have like this detailed laid out plan. So he knows that that means I'm like saying this sounds like a great idea, but I'm not like ready to move and I'm not serious about it. So he doesn't really have to worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes I think, you know, like, but he knows like if we sit down and I have like this big conversation, like I really want to make this happen. Like this is really important to me. Um, I need your help to be on board to implement it, you know. But I'll handle, you know, I'll handle dealing with the milk and, you know, in in that instance, you know. But like for you, like being like, you know, I'll handle, you know, the day to day feeding and, you know, and in, and in the, in the coop and dealing with the chickens and stuff. But I am gonna need your help to build or, you know, to buy and to move in, you know, this and and I want to do this method instead of this method so that they don't poop everywhere. You know, if you decided to do a, a mobile uh, chicken tractor type coop, that type of a thing. Um, I found when I really moved the conversation like that and he's like, oh, man, like you're really serious about this, then that can oftentimes be helpful in, in having them realize like this is really important to me. Um, and also if I kind of like I, I need your help, not in like I want you to do everything that I'm adding to your already really busy plate, but like mm-hmm. I do need your support on this. And it's really important to me um, more of, of a thing than I feel like, you know, they they kind of rise to the occasion. Yes. Now, are the how do the kids feel about chickens? Like they don't care one way or the other, or would, are they, would they be excited to have chickens on the property?
1: Oh, I think they would be very excited. My, my daughter's been asking for a duck. So I think this might be a nice compromise. Um, And I think she would actually be great help in taking care of them and feeding them and um, all the responsibilities that come with it.
0: Yeah. And it it can be a, it's a, It's actually a really great learning experience. And I have to say (laughs) that even if, you know, they're not so on board like with the big chickens and there are pros and cons definitely to getting baby chicks versus getting some pullets that are already laying or ready to start laying. But, Man, when you bring those little baby chicks home, it's hard for anybody to resist them. And then, you know, I find like, you know, because when they're they're itty bitty, obviously they're underneath heat lamps. And we'll link in the the blog post that accompanies this episode to some of the previous episodes that cover especially baby chicks and like the first six weeks and and the type of care and what you need to make sure that they have. But I found that like my husband before work, like he doesn't when they're the older chickens at all, but when they're the little ones, like he'll go in and like check the heat lamp and make sure that everything's as it should be and that they're doing good. And so it can be a a kind of a fun way, you know, to get everybody excited when they're little and feel like they've got, you know, some ownership and getting attached to them. And then as they grow versus just bringing in a full size adult chicken, whereas it's a little harder to get, you know, the warm fuzzies. So some people do. (laughs) You know, some people love their chickens at all stages and they don't care what age they are, but it is really easy to fall in love with those little puff balls when they're itty bitty little tiny (laughs) chicks.
1: Yes. Although I don't know how he'd feel if I just showed up with a little baby chick one day.
0: Oh, no, I wouldn't spring it as a surprise, (laughs) but I would totally, I would totally be like, Hey, like, you know, and kind of, and work that into the plan. And then, and then it is, um, yeah, it like even like my my son who is my my oldest he's a teenager when the baby chicks are there I still find him willing to come out and help help feed and help water and check on them and I'll even say like hey I need you to go out and, and check the the heat lamp you know make sure they're not getting too hot during the, the day like go out and check them and then I'll check them later today and so he'll he'll go out and I'll notice he'll stay, he'll stay out there much longer than, than is really required <laughs> to check the temperature. Cause he's, you know, having, having fun with them and, and interacting. So that can be a great way to kind of get the whole family on board and eased into, um, into it. Of course, you know, that level of excitement if they're not really into it, doesn't last once they're totally grown, but I feel like it's a good way uh, to kind of get everybody excited in the beginning. Yes. Yeah. So, now, like with the, the gardening and the preserving aspect, like I'm assuming that they like to eat the fresh food and or the preserved part. Yes, they do yes. like the eating part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, my family does too. Like that's, that's one of the main things. And so like the farm fresh eggs and all of that, like what's really cool. And this would be, of course, once they were laying And but also I don't know, you know, in your area, if you know, anybody who has backyard chickens that you could get some fresh farm uh, farm eggs from, because just seeing the difference, like when we first started getting chickens, because the first part of our marriage, we didn't have chickens we were renting and we just weren't that far into the self-sufficiency. Honestly, uh, we've been married 20 plus years. But when we had the farm fresh eggs from our chickens and we could compare that side by side of the yolk color and the flavor and like do a real taste test, like here's a store bought anemic looking egg, Compared mm-hmm. to this farm fresh one, like that was one of the things too, where it's like, oh my goodness, like this is a, a big difference. And this is, you know, so much better. Like you could visually see it. I feel like you can taste it. Um, I feel like my baked goods add, you know, better texture, even all of those things. So sometimes like you might not even have to have the chickens yet, but it could be kind of fun if you have someone where you could get, you know, some really good farm fresh eggs that are on either, um, you know, a chicken tractor or free range. So they have that really nice dark yolk and kind of do a side by side and be like, see if we have our chickens, like, look at this difference type of a thing. I don't know if it'll work or not, but it was something that we would often comment about in the beginning. And it was kind of fun.
1: Yeah. Well, we actually, I do try to source farm fresh eggs pretty regularly. So I haven't done that. So we will try that and see what they think and do a little taste test and see if I can get them a little excited about the difference.
0: Yeah. I kind of geek out about, like, I like to do (laughs) comparisons and tests and, and all of that. So I think that part's kind of fun. And even if not for your husband, the kids might enjoy it too. So, and it yes. can, yeah, it will never hurt. It can only help in the cause for backyard chickens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, do you have any other, other questions or things that you would like to talk about? Or do you feel like you've got some, some ideas that you can take back to the table, so to speak? <laughs>
1: No, I do think I have some really great ideas um, to try to start working on. And maybe if I were to come up with a, a small scale plan and get the kids on board first, he might um, relent a little bit. But as, I mean, as far as that, no, that all sounds great. And I'm excited to, to see where we can go next.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for you, too. And like I said, I, I really love that you are looking for ways to do as much as you can with where you're at now. Because so many of us, like myself included, like when we were renting, like I just didn't even, you know, like, oh, you know, well, it's not our land. And and um, and I know you're not in a renting situation, but, you know, that it's it's not the acreage that you would like. Um, but I'm glad that you're like, no, like let's whatever we can do now, like I'm going to try and move forward with that and do that now. Um, so kudos to you.
1: Thank you. I, I like to grow it just a little bit every year. Um, and so it yeah. Trying a couple new things this year, so it'll be exciting too.
0: Yeah, so now my curiosity is piqued. What are you trying as your new things for this year?
1: So I'm actually going to try some straw bell gardening with my sweet potatoes and my tomatoes and peppers. Um, that way I add space to my garden without actually having to build beds. Um, yeah. And then doing some trellising with that. Um, I've actually installed some trellising this year and doing a lot more vertical gardening than I have in the past. Um, and then we bought some new varieties. So I'll have some yard long beans um, and actually got a lot of different purple fruiting plants that I'm really mm. excited about just to, to make it a little more colorful.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's yes. a lot of fun stuff. I, I know you're going to love the, the trellising, or at least I should say anytime I add extra vertical gardening, I'm like, Oh, this was so great. (laughs) Like, let's do more. But I like you. I do it in stages and I try to add just a couple of new things a year so that it's not overwhelming. And I have not tried the straw bale gardening and I can't grow sweet potatoes here because we're too cold. But you will have to let me know um, and share with us inside the community of the membership how that works for you. Because I know a lot of people are really curious about the straw bale gardening Um, and so I'll be really excited to see how it works, especially with the sweet potatoes.
1: Yes, because digging them up, we had lots of problems in bruising and so the straw bell and just being able to cut it and then fall open, although I know it's not that simple. Um, I'm very excited about, so yes, we'll have some pictures along the way and, and see how it grows.
0: Okay. Awesome. It'll be like getting the, like the report, you know, like at the end of the year, <laughs> <laughs> right. So I'm looking forward. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it and hearing about your guys's experience. Cause I know a lot of people are, are, are very curious about that. So that'll be a, a fun, a fun one to have And I can't remember if in the community, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it was in straw bails. I know that they, they did a, a lot of potatoes in the grow bags, but I don't remember if there was any straw bails. I'll have to go back through there and if I can find it, I'll, I'll tag you in there um if there was that but yes yeah, please yeah anyways um well this was a lot of fun I'm glad that it was helpful I wish that I had like the magic answer it's like <laughs> oh just do this and he will be on board or vice versa but unfortunately I don't so um I wish I wish you the best and I hope that uh, that he comes around and that it works out well for you guys thanks so much Melissa I appreciate it Thank you so much for joining us in this and episode. I hope that you got some nuggets that you can use within your different relationships and getting more people on board. Of course, with doing the self-sufficiency and homesteading lifestyle, but maybe it's some different aspects in your life as well that I hope those tips will be very helpful for you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. And I hope to see you inside the Pioneering Today Academy. I will be back here with you next week with a really awesome episode talking about companion planting in a way that I haven't covered before on the podcast. You are not going to want to miss it.